Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Thank you for tuning in to our final regular season tune-up. Welcome into a new edition of another Dolphins Podcast. This is Jake and Josh joining you guys, and we are doing it. We are going to... Hit every single marker as we go through Miami Dolphins falling 31-18 to to the Jacksville Jaguars. The game was called early due to an injury to wide receiver uh, Daywood Davis, but it has been since announced that he's been released to the hospital, so I think it's important to start with that. Uh, but Daywood Davis, it sounds like he's trending in the right direction. It's great to hear. It's happy to hear everyone's healthy. And um, All right, Joshua, I think it's time. I'm going to pull you in here. Happy uh, Monday, my friend. How's it going today? Pretty good, dude. Entire family's sick. I was joking with you, man. We went to school for my daughter went to a school officially for two days and now the entire family got sick. So um, we're pushing through that. But yeah, man, cut down day. We hate to see some of these players get cut, but um, we'll talk about that. But Daywood Davis, man, I think that hit was just absolutely brutal, unnecessary in a Mm preseason game or in any football game. So uh, yeah, that one broke my heart. And I'm glad that he was okay and um, was released from the hospital. So prayers up for Daywood Uh, Davis. That was a big time scare. Dolphins closed the preseason, Josh, with a record of one and two. So basically what I thought we'd do here is just kind of go through the position groups and just kind of walk through everyone that's um, everyone that made, made notes throughout the uh, final preseason game. And just for some clarity here, we are recording this on Monday, uh, Monday afternoon to be specific. Teams have until Tuesday afternoon to cut the roster down to 53 players. If anything cut or anything drops throughout the show, um, we'll – to talk about it live like we did with the Tyreek Hill trade, but odds are, Josh, this is going to be a situation where uh, we're going to hit end recording, and right after, Jonathan Taylor is going to be traded to the Miami Dolphins, probably. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, everybody that's a Dolphins fan right now that has X or Twitter or, you know, is just on any sort of social media knows that uh, the Indianapolis Colts gave the Dolphins or any team, right, till a Tuesday, a deadline of Tuesday to make a trade for Jonathan Taylor while these cuts are going on so they can kind of see what their roster is going to look like. So, um, yeah, in typical fashion of the Jake and Josh show, we're going to be sitting here and neither of us are going to refresh Twitter at all or X throughout this podcast. And as soon as we get off here, we will. And breaking news, but all jokes aside, man, you need to be on your phone and make sure that we don't miss this because it could be going down any second. Barry Jackson, Miami Herald. I, I'm just refreshing him. I, I won't be someone to sit out there and he's, say I know what's going on. He's the one giving us hope. He's the one giving us hope, though, right? I mean, Barry Jackson's as good as they get. I mean, he said, uh, you know, the Colts did refuse one of the, or reject one of the Dolphins' trades earlier in the week, but it sounds like there were more offers on the table, and he even said they were a little bit reasonable. So, dude, if they could get Jonathan Taylor, what type of Madden Ultimate team would the Dolphins be building? And two-year window, man, that, that's that's a hell of a roster to put out there. But we're talking cuts, right? We're talking cuts in preseason week three. I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry if you can hear the truck behind me. It's just perfect timing as always. Um, Josh, before we get into it, I do want to mention one thing because we've been doing this for a long time. It's crazy to think, Josh, we've been covering not only fans of the Miami Dolphins, we've been covering the Dolphins for about a decade now. And we're entering a new generation, right? We have three preseason games now. Let's look to get down to two. And I just want to get your thoughts. I think if we wanted to kind of connect our dumb old person brain to the new person brain, Week three of the preseason kind of felt like week one of the preseason if there were four preseason games. Everyone wants to say it's the week four, but but usually week four, the starters don't play. What we saw on Saturday was like just kind of starters here and there, the Dolphins trying different things. That had some week one energy to me. Yeah, you're right. So I don't even know what we can consider the dress rehearsal, right? People on Twitter were saying, you know, no, it wasn't week two. Hold up, it's week three. I mean, week three was all over the place, like you mentioned. I do have to ask, though, you're saying about the old mind and the new mind. You're talking about 
the two of us, right? Is that where you were going with that? I'm the old I'm, mind and you're the new mind. Old. For this, for this I, I'm officially <laughs> putting out an old crown. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're right. You're used to those four preseason weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, man, let's get right into it. Tua played a couple drives. His first throw wasn't an interception, which is always exciting. He had a couple cool falls. And it's so hard to talk about this. I don't want to spend too much time. But, Josh, this is going to sound like such a crazy Miami Dolphins fan. And I would never bring up a conversation like this in a bar up in Massachusetts. Tua does look kind of different falling. I don't. I sound crazy. I sound like someone who spends too much time watching this stupid sport. But I'll tell you right now, it looks like Tua knows how to fall differently from last year. Yeah, he's been watching Kung Fu Panda with Ace. I think that's what they've been watching because he's just, I mean, the uh, nice breakdown by Tyler Tyler uh, on Twitter, Tyler De- De- Deshaun. How, how do you pronounce that? I'm sorry. I should have that up. If you want to get his ad, I'll, I'll just keep chatting here for a second because it was so weird because for about three years now, right, it was whenever someone gets near Tua that he, an injury might occur, whether it was broken ribs, a, a finger, whatever it may be. Um, so obviously your your eyes just kind of jump toward that right away. And it was so interesting to see. It seemed like sometimes he knew when to lean onto his shoulder. He knew when to fall onto his butt. It seemed like he was out there, you know, going down a big hill, sledding for the first time, and he was realizing how you got to fall within a situation like that. Yeah, for sure. And I'm going to butcher this app, but Tyler uh... – Decina, I'm going to go with that. Decina, a young up and comer in the journalist, uh, breaks down some Dolphins film. Go follow him at uh, D E S E N A Sports. Uh, but yeah, he did a side by side of Tua Fallen last year and then this year. And he's for real, man, rolling on his back, you know, popping right back up, Kung Fu Panda style. So the Jiu Jitsu's working. He says he's going to continue to do it throughout the season because it's now part of his routine. So um, if this is that new Tua, I mean, he's not taking those crazy hits to the dome while he's doing these awesome roles. I mean, we're here for it, right? Just don't get hurt, man. We need you out there if we want to have any success, Jonathan Taylor or not. But that that's that uh first play, Jake, you mentioned was an interception. The way that RPO was, they kind of faked it. And he just quick turned around and rifled it to Tyree Killer, just outran everyone. And I saw your tweet. You're like, yeah, it's, that's time to bubble wrap. And we saw enough there. Yeah, all we needed to see. Um, Talking about quarterback two, and Josh, we do these podcasts so much, I I don't want to get lost in the weeds here, but when we have discussions about like a Skylar Thompson or a Mike White, it's always in the context of, hey, these guys are backups, right? You know, these guys, we, we aren't asking the world from them. That being said, man, Skylar Thompson, he's been really up or down throughout the preseason. It's worth noting that Mike White has been activated out of concussion protocol, but he did not play last week. Considering that, considering we haven't seen a lot of Mike White, you throw in the fact Skylar Thompson threw a nice two interceptions against the Jacksonville Jaguars, Josh. I spent a few weeks saying that maybe Skylar Thompson could be in the running for that backup quarterback position. I don't think so anymore. Yeah, Barry Jackson, shame on him. Did you see his tweet during the game? He's like, Mike White's the only one that won like the QB2 battle, and he didn't even get a he's named concussion protocol, and he still won the battle or whatever it was. So, yeah, man, you want to see more out of Skylar Thompson, especially last week when we're sitting there oohing and on over some of his throws, thinking I look pretty good coming back this week. You know, he was clearly going to play a lot of reps. James Blackman did go out there. I do have written down that he might be practice squad worthy, right? I mean, he did a little bit in the second half. But, uh, yeah, man, that one interception Skylar Thompson threw on the run directly at uh, the defensive back, and you just need to see better from uh, Skylar Thompson. So, yeah, man, I think it's Mike White's job, but last week I would have said it was Skylar Thompson. So who knows what's happening with this QB2 battle, but uh, they'll probably keep all three on the roster, right, with the new rules and all that, and to his past history with health, I'm sure they're going to keep all three. Moving to the running back position, Joshua, the one question on everyone's mind is what will this running back room look like come opening day? One thing we've seen throughout this preseason, and of course, 
don't take everything you hear in the preseason or see in the preseason and take it to the bank. But man, this was a Dolphins offense that absolutely dominated running the football. This was a group that looked great, consistent. Uh, we saw Selvan Ahmed go out there against the Jags. He had a long of 42, which is kind of funny when you look at he had four carries for 43 yards, which means he had three carries for a whopping one yard. But then you had another strong performance on Chris Brooks. He had two touchdowns, averaging 5.5 a clip. Miles Gaskin, just the model of efficiency, 3.8 yards per carry. Uh, and then in the receiving game, he had six yards per catch on five receptions for 30 yards. So, Josh, I'm throwing a bunch of numbers out at you. What did we learn? You know, Jonathan Taylor, let's even include that in the mix. What did we learn about this running back group on Saturday night? And what does us what does that tell us about week one? Yeah, honestly, the first thing I thought you were saying, the question on everybody's mind with the running back unit was, are they going to somehow put Chris Brooks on the 53-man roster, right? I mean, uh, you mentioned it, man. He has run hard every chance he's got. And in that loaded room, I mean, I, I just don't know where he's going to fit. So he kind of seems like he's more of a practice squad guy, but I would love to see Chris Brooks on that 53-man roster. I mean, if you're sitting here saying, do you want to see another year of Miles Gaskin or Chris Brooks? I mean, I kind of want to see the Thunder. I mean, I, we always talk about Thunder and Lightning, at least I do, man. I mean, this is basically um, – was Thor the god of Thunder? I'm, I'm shame on me for not knowing this. Was, was it Thor that was the god of Thunder? Okay, so, yeah, he's basically the Thor. I mean, this is the Thunder Thunder. I mean, he's the legit Thunder. I mean, he's got guys around his ankles still getting the first down. So, I don't know what they're going to do with Chris Brooks, but overall, man, you just wanted the Dolphins to not abandon the run game, right? I mean, everyone wants to talk about them improving that run game. They really just had to commit to it more late in games in certain situations. So, um, as much as we're sitting here drooling over Jonathan Taylor – I would love to see that go down in the middle of this podcast, Jake. But, I mean, Salvin Ahmed's run hard, right? Raheem Mostert just came off his best season. Jeff Wilson Jr., I mean, they kind of seem like they're babying him a little bit because they like what they have there. So, like the way this running back unit has looked and like the depth they have, you'd have to think if a Taylor trade does go down, they would have to send one of our running backs in return and, you know, give them an opportunity because there are some starters on this roster and the Dolphins have the tough decisions to make. Let me ask you this, Mr. Houts. Um, Salvan Ahmed, if he's on the practice squad, is he getting picked off it? I think and so. Like, within yeah, like three I, I, weeks, I, I think Salvan, any- yeah, I think the way he's looked this preseason, I think he's a you know, uh, certainty on that 53 man roster. Don't you agree? I mean, he's he's looked really good, and you've even heard some people at camp say he looks better than Devon A. Chain. You know, you're getting those numbers mixed up, and every chance he's got, I mean, we joke, but he kind of looked like Barry Sanders this preseason. Miles Gaskin, if he's on your practice squad, do you think he gets picked off in within three weeks? I kind of do too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, he's in that similar mold it's as Salvin Ahmed. Chris if Brooks have- would be the one I think you could stash on the practice squad, which is probably their intent. I, I mean, I feel like Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed could start, and you could get like a late round pick for a team looking for a running back. But who's to say anymore, right? The NFL completely has devalued that entire position. But yeah, I mean, I think they both get poached. What do you think? You know, uh, I got a garbage take for you. If I was like trying to get just clicks, I'd say that the best running back to send to the Colts in a trade would be to my, be Miles Gaskin. You're telling me you have a rookie quarterback and you don't want someone who's going to catch every ball, pick up all the blitzes, uh, just be that guy to get the yards to move the sticks. Man, Miles Gaskin would be so perfect for a young quarterback. And, and that's kind of what I was starting to think, right? If Gaskin's that guy not on that um, active roster, what's a young team that comes to steal Gaskin just so you could have someone in the backfield that you could trust and take a little bit of pressure off a uh, – a rookie quarterback, man, Miles Gaskin's that guy. He's not going to do anything great, but I, I think he's just a very nice safety blanket. Where I don't think he, I don't think he'd last on a practice squad. So you do wonder, man, if they trade for Jonathan Taylor, they're like even then, if they trade one running back in that deal, they still have four others they got to figure out with. How many do you think they're going to keep on the active roster? Because this is still the one position I'm getting tripped up for so many different reasons. 
yeah, I mean, I guess technically five, right? We're going to count Alec Ingold in there. So, yeah, so then I guess you'd have Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Devon Achain, and then Salvin Ahmed. That's the way I'd go with it. But if you're indie, don't you see the way Salvin Ahmed's look this offseason or this preseason and think to yourself, you know, you throw him back here. That's a pretty damn good piece that back there running those RPOs with, um, you know, Richardson Acorn as he, baby. yeah, Acorn baby. That, that's what all these guys are, though. So, so if 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 a Taylor trade does happen, how many running backs do they keep? Because even if like some, if, if Salvan Ahmed goes to the Colts, the Dolphins are absolutely not keeping both Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, and that's kind of where my trip up is. Because if there is a running back in that deal, that means all of a sudden they got to make two deals where it kind of feels like the Delvin Cook um, dominoes that need to fall in a sense. Yeah, they're going to have some decisions to make. I still think you'd probably keep four around, though, and then including Alec Ingle, that would be five total. I just think the unit has too much talent. I continue to look at his relationships with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, whether that's you know a, a good thing to do or not, I don't know. But I think that he feels like he might, you know, he likes to have those two guys by his side. So I don't know, man. I think they'd keep four. And, I mean, every time we bring up Jonathan Taylor, I mean, I feel like we've been teased so much, and I don't want to get st- – sidetrack too much here but i think we've been teased too much with the dalvin cooks you know if you heard rumblings of saquon barkley josh jacobs you know they called about him they need to land jonathan taylor right man i mean if you came into this year and someone said the dolphins could get jalen ramsey and jonathan taylor i mean so dude, how how, mo- how, mo- how moist would you be and the kicker is too like we we mentioned the the idea of miami not being able to handle the, all these cap issues that they have i mean jonathan taylor like when Omar Kelly was on, he kind of said it the best. He's like, if you're playing, if you're paying said Wilson nine mil a year, why aren't you going to pay Jonathan Taylor 11 mil a year? And we're in a kind of a unique, unique spot where the dolphins, right. They spent big at a wide receiver. They spent big uh, on a cornerback. And it's kind of like, you're, you're getting ready for Christmas. And it was always, Hey, what's that one big present you you want? And that'd be like a Tyree kill a Jalen Ramsey. But all of a sudden you got your stocking stuffed with like a, a Jonathan Taylor or something like that, man, that just seems like a whole nother level. And I think that's why, you know, I think throughout the Delvin cook saga, we were kind of like, Oh, you know, wait and see, wait and see the dolphins have been linked to a lot of different guys. This one just feels so different because it just seems so manageable for the dolphins. It seems like, They'll already have a deal set up. It won't be like a one-year rental. Um, it just feels kind of like that Tyree Kill situation. Everything evolved so quickly with Tyree Kill, but at the same time, this feels like those same pieces are falling. It's just not like you're listening to a podcast on like four times speed. Yeah, again, who knows what's going to happen. By the time we're done here, man, the deal will be official or he'll get traded somewhere else and we'll be crying in tears and we'll pretend that he's not that good and has health issues, right? Concerns about his injuries and things like that. So love the way the Dolphins running back unit looks, at least right now. But, I mean, in our dreams, when we lie our head down at night, there was a time when we considered, you know, what Jonathan Taylor in an offense, a Miami Dolphins offense would look like. And I can't can't look past that. Who would you expect to be that uh, uh, running back two on a roster like that, where um you know it's it's Wilson and Moster, and throughout the offseason, man, we still he- keep hearing you know um, fantasy gurus say Wilson's the guy. Keep an eye out for Jeff Wilson. I think he's gonna have a lot of opportunity. Do you think he'd still be that number two, or are they gonna do everything they can to keep Raheem Mostert around and happy? Yeah, I mean Jonathan Taylor still has that speed, but I think Raheem Mostert he is that you know next level. You know, so I think maybe they lean there. I was going to joke, Chris Brooks would be the perfect, you know, yank to his yang, right? Because, I mean, Jonathan Taylor can run between the tackles. He is a bit of a bully, but I think that Chris Brooks, I mean, he's been running mean. So even Devon A. Chain, I mean, he kind of fits that similar Raheem Mostert type speed, that next level type stuff. So 
I think uh, Raheem Mostert will still be that RB2. I mean, I think they kind of, again, kind of feel like they owe it to him. I bet even on the depth chart, it would say Taylor and Mostert, right? The way they list two running like backs, that. and he'd make sure everyone was happy. But um, again, man, time will tell if it goes down. And excited, excited that the season is what, 13 days away? That's insane, man. Uh, and it also kind of makes sense, too, where I think uh, Mostert's a little more of a threat, someone you can kind of move out wide. So I think it kind of makes a lot more sense, too, if you're to have Mostert and Taylor on the field. I think you can do more um, if you're to replace that with Jeff Wilson. But, of course, a, a big part of it is what's the worth on all these players as you're trying to go back and forth on a deal with someone like Jonathan Taylor. And then, you know, you have to wonder, what is the ceiling for someone like Chris Brooks? Is there a wacky universe where he could make it to that active roster? And it's weird too because there's so much happening with this running back room but it's hard to imagine there being a lot of movement outside of you know two guys right you know you add one guy you subtract another but in order for someone like Chris Brooks or Miles Gaskin who had decent off seasons or preseasons and we don't want to fall into the trap of these uh, preseason darlings they must be on the roster like they're irreplaceable because that's not the case but it's just going to be interesting to see where that tug of war goes if someone like uh, you know Jeff Wilson will be able to find his way back onto the field this is someone who hasn't even practiced this preseason was he being kept on ice? Was he actually battling injuries? We don't necessarily know, but these are the questions that we are getting closer and closer to answering as we get closer, closer squared. Look at that. As we approach the 2023 Miami Dolphins season, and I cannot wait to see how that develops. Josh, throughout the preseason, there was a, I think it was the first game you weren't really around for. I think you were at the beach and you were talking about watching the game on your phone. And I wanted you to take notes about different guys who are jumping at you when you're watching on such a small screen. Like, what are the first things you're looking for? To speak in that kind of sense, talking about Saturday's games against the Jags, Josh, the first name that stepped on, stepped out to me on the football field, Robbie Chosen was out there with the first team receiving group. What was going through your head when you saw that? The space power ranger. I was excited. I was excited to see what he could do out there. Um, there was one play I know down in the goal line. I think CK Parrott posted a video of it where they're running a mesh concept and they kind of ran into each other, him and uh, Durham Smythe, where he may have walked into the end zone if the play was run better. But um, Robbie Chosen, I mean, he's a guy who I thought was going to be that wide receiver three. I still think can, you know, between him and Braxton Berrios, I think that would be a pretty good tandem there in that wide receiver three unit. You know, they both have different things where chosen to take the top off a of defense where Braxton might be that guy that you're targeting in the middle field. But anyway, man, it was just nice to see him out there getting the opportunities. And a lot of people who aren't maybe very fond of Robbie chosen the way I might be have said that, you know, he is on the roster bubble. So we'll see, man, if it comes down to him and Craycraft, I don't, I don't know how you would keep Robbie chosen over Craycraft, you know, just despite how much we want to see him out there with those visor and crazy hair. <laughs> And that's kind of where the big question is. You're right. River Craycraft led the team with the number another eight targets. Cedric Wilson had five. Miles Gaskin had five. That doesn't look like a group that's trying to figure a lot of different things out. That also looks like a group who has a quarterback that really, really loves their safety blankets. Looking at you, Skylar Thompson. But what's interesting to me here is about how different Robbie Chosen is from like a River Craycraft or a Braxton Berrios because we saw Robbie Chosen, Josh, what was it like a slant pass, something like that, where he tried to catch a ball in traffic and it looked like the wind kind of just blew him over and he could not really contest the catch. Uh, if Robbie Chosen makes his team, he might even be number three the number three wide receiver on the depth chart. Uh, but man, I, I'm a little concerned that I don't think he's going to be able to do the River Craycraft's Braxton Barrios things. This is someone I think who can only be on the field to be one of those outside boundary guys to attack down the field. I don't know if he really has um, 
the ability to operate in the traffic in this timing offense, it kind of felt a little Mike Gesicki-esque trying to see him go on a slant. Yeah, and you wonder how much he's picking up this offense. It's a completely new language to him. It's not something he's really accustomed to. So you do have to wonder, is he one of those guys that maybe you could stash on a practice squad considering his interest before he came to the Dolphins? I mean, I know it it sounds crazy, but who knows what's going to happen there. I just, again, think about how much River Craycraft meant to that wide receiver unit last year, you know, trying to implement the offense, gets kind of like another coach on the field. I just don't know if he's a guy that they would cut ties with that can do a little bit of everything. Um, and do it well. Special teams, I mean, River Craycraft is an asset, I guess. And as of now, Robbie Chosen, I mean, I can admit it. He's been a little bit of a disappointing. But every time they show a highlight, right, on Miami Dolphins X, it's always Robbie Chosen or something. Yeah, and that's what's important to keep in mind here. He had one reception on his three targets. And, and either way, he's not going to be a volume guy. But I think you have guys like River this is going to sound kind of crazy out loud, but you have guys, I think like river Craycraft and Braxton Barrows who can kind of absorb a lot of targets, kind of help you move the chains. Robbie Chosen's never going to be that. So I kind of like the idea of practice squad. And when you kind of consider his route that got him to Miami, I think that's also a good possibility too. Josh, the only other note I have about the receivers here outside of the weird usage, getting Craycraft and Cedric Wilson. So involved is, um, Eric Ezukama, man, we saw a lot of him in the first preseason game, but it, it kind of felt like last year where he never really kind of had his I'm here moment. I'm ready to kind of do this on the big stage. Yeah, we're still waiting for it. And with him, with his boy, Skylar Thompson, we thought it would come by now. So um, I, I'm going to joke. Maybe he's uh, someone that Indy wants in a trade and they were just kind of reserving him for for that. But um, in all seriousness, him, I think we're going to expect some nice things out of him. He should probably make more of an impact this year than we saw last year, right? And Cedric Wilson, man, he was the guy that, Skylar Thompson, you know, soared one way over his head. So that was a sad, sad sight. So, um, yeah, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see who comes and takes that wide receiver three position and then what they do there with the depth and how many wide receivers they keep. Yeah, knowing the volume have in Tyreek and Waddle and paying them with the volume, the idea is you shouldn't have to keep seven, six, even wide receivers if you have Tyreek and Waddle. And that's something to really keep in mind as we get closer to that cutdown day is the idea that those guys, the volume is so large. And then you're paying Braxton Barrios to be that special teams guy and another volume guy. The Dolphins really, I don't think, they, they can definitely keep more than five um, receivers, but I don't think they should. It just doesn't really work that way. Josh, the tight end group, kind of that big old wet blanket. We had Durham Smythe, uh, Julian Hill and, and Tanner Connor all had one target, no receptions. Um, and, and Tanner Connor, someone who was just activated off pup, this was someone we thought would get kind of featured in the offense. Let's see what he can do. Let's see if we can have him hit the ground running as he returns. Yeah, I was definitely hoping we'd see something out of Tanner Connor. So I was uh, trying to hype him up all season. You saw a picture of him where he looked like he was pretty jacked up. I mean, mm-hmm. we expected to see more out of him this uh preseason but again he was banged up so interested to see what they do with this unit right you got eric sauber i think i saw on twitter today he's what eight hundred fifty thousand guaranteed if you release him regardless or something like that mm-hmm. um because i guess they released malik reed earlier today we'll talk about the cuts spoilers at the end of this, but yeah sorry spoiler alert julian <laughs> hill though showed some promise so I, I just want someone to step up in that unit but as of now Smythe is the clear-cut you know tight end one and the guy that can block and hopefully we see that pass catch element come out because i do think he can bring that to to his game and to a time below and needs that security blanket in the middle of the field. I got to ask you, Josh, um, I don't know if you listened to Kat and I's 2.0 breakdown of the tight end group, but um, last year the Dolphins kept five tight ends to begin the year on the active roster. I kind of think they might keep two this year. Does that sound a little crazy? Yeah, that might be a little crazy. I'd say 
I'm trying to think. They're going to keep a vet, right? So whether it's Croft or Saubert, they'll probably keep one of those. They got Smythe and a promising young guy like maybe Julian Hill. I mean, Elijah Higgins still lingers. So I'm going to say that's a little crazy. Yeah, so I'm thinking three or four, but that's probably a cop-out, to be honest. Definitely took the safe route. I don't don't know. I just – Eric Sauber, he's kind of struggled. You just wonder where these guys play in special teams. I think that's kind of the key. The, the issue we miss out on in terms of um, not being at the practices isn't the fact these all these highlight plays. Everybody tweets about the highlight plays. It's it's things of, all right, who's getting the extra reps in special teams? Who's getting the extra reps in the red zone that are so important that we kind of miss out on? But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Josh, the offensive line. Speaking of um, obvious issues, Connor Williams still can't seem to stamp the football. I, I, I don't know what happened. It, it was... I'm not saying it was perfect last year, but it, we never really had an opportunity to sit here and talk like, oh, man, what are they doing? But it seems like he's kind of reverted back a little bit and is really struggling with those snaps. Yeah, I think we always threw a little bit of shade. But earlier when I was talking about the receivers, I kind of got tripped up there because I wanted to get right into this Connor Williams snap. It just dawned in my head. I was like, yo, we need to talk about that. And I was like, oh, offensive lineman. But, yeah, man, it does seem like now every game he's eating one into the sun. And uh, I don't know if you saw me and people are breaking down how to a dove on the ball, how they knocked it over. Um, so I don't know what's going on. We, we need the we need the regular season to get here ASAP. But Connor Williams, he's got those snaps down, especially if he wants to get paid all that money. Offensive line wise, Austin Jackson was moving some people. I mean, we all kind of uh, laughed or was like, oh, oh, really? When you know Omar Kelly said that he looked like one of the best offensive linemen throughout camp, and he's been moving some bodies. So hopefully that new you know physique, his new offseason regiment, whatever it is, he can go out there and bring some of those pancakes to the regular season. Cause if we can get Austin Jackson to look, you know, capable at right tackle, you can find someone at left guard, you know, and that offensive line looks pretty damn good. Dude's looking to get paid in his Jordan year. Um, looking at the offensive line in general, I think the one other note, Isaiah, Wynn, is it safe to say he's that fifth starter? He'll be that guy at left guard. I think we're team Isaiah Wynn, right? I, I think the coaching staff, they seem to love Liam Eikenbergs, but he wasn't even out there. Was he much? So I, uh, yeah, he we'll go team Isaiah Wynn. Yeah, should put yeah. Liam Eikenberg in that center. Let's, let's he will not snap the – what if he was better? Like, he just went out there and it was just, like, exactly what we needed. And he's, like, goes on to be a Hall of Fame center or something crazy. Would that, that – that wouldn't surprise you as a Dolphins fan, would it really? He uh, goes no, to like, yes, it would. Absolutely, yeah. Something good happening to Patriots, If he went to the Patriots and became, like, a Hall of Fame center? Like oh, that, no. That's like, oh, that's no, I meant for us. I meant for me. us. No, yeah. This, yeah, he could he'd definitely go there. He'd be just the next Ted Karras with his butt towel. <laughs> What a way to end the offense. Let's switch over to the defensive line. Josh, this is something I spoke about uh, when we were talking about Zach Sealer's contract extension yesterday. Uh, but it, it kind of annoyed me watching the Jacksonville Jaguars first team offense because it was obvious the Dolphins were without two of their top defenders. Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer didn't play. And as a result, the Jags were content. We're just going to run it up the middle for five yards every time. This didn't look like a preseason game where uh, you know, you're trying to work on things. This looked like a team that was just trying to move the ball, score some points, uh, and that was that. Yeah, and you don't want to, you know, put too much stock into preseason, but I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there watching. I was getting a little bit angry. You know, you were starting to feel like you were in that regular season mode where the Jags were just, you know, you knew what they were going to do. They were going to come out there and run the ball, and whether it was yeah, we get it. Yeah. Travis Etienne, whether it was Tank Bigsby, regardless of who it was. Again, I think that's kind of the reason they saw that out there, and they're like, yo, we need to get Zach so locked up now if Christian Wilkins doesn't take his deal. So um, hopefully the run defense is better when those guys are out there. I mean, you can't even – Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, obviously it's going to be better. But, um, yeah, they were getting punished early on in that game. And um, they did have a bend-don't-break moment, though, down there at the goal line, right? When uh, I thought it was big, uh, Jerome Baker that ripped that guy out. But, you know, I think J- Javon Holland had more of a, a say in that fumble at the goal line. All the camera angles, we still can't figure out the analysis on that one. 
Looking at the defensive line here for well, one more quick minute, Josh, it seemed like the Dolphins were praying, praying, someone please make a play. Someone give us a reason to give you a, a contract for the rest of the year. Josiah Brunson, he played 38 snaps at defensive tackle, second highest on the team. Brandon Peely played 37. Jalen Twyman, who the Dolphins actually just waved, waved, he played 33 snaps. Looking at all that, Josh, and looking at how the Jags still average five yards per carry, I think it's safe to say that defensive tackle is going to be a position the Dolphins add to in free agency unless you know they, they squeeze whatever cap space they can in order to uh, sign Jonathan Taylor or whoever it may be. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they also released Bronson too after he was getting, you know, absolutely oh, yeah. destroyed. So I I mean I, I have to scroll through Barry's timeline right now. It's it's so hard, man, on X right now. Everyone's just tweeting away. But um yeah, man, that defensive line, they need to bring in some depth there. We talked about it for a couple pods, right? Some type of vet to come in here. Um, but as long as those starters can stay healthy, I mean that's a big if. But if those starters, you know, our are, are starting defense, starting offense. It looks pretty damn good on paper, but like Omar Kelly said in our previous pod, I mean, there's some depth issues there. So Vic Fangio, you know, he probably went in there and he was like, yo, you're trying to pay Jonathan Taylor all this money? Give me a check. Let me go get some pieces. I need a little bit of depth and help over here on the defensive side if you want to go and win your Lombardi, Stephen Ross. At linebacker, AVG and Andrew Van Ginkle led the team in tackles and also at half a sack. David Long Jr. and Joe Baker with three tackles each. Josh, I got to ask you, I go back to this Miami Dolphins defense. It might have been, it was a lot earlier in Jerome Baker's career, but I think we were under the uh, impression in Matt Burke's defense that Jerome Baker wasn't that good. Uh, But in reality, the more you learned about the defense, it was just kind of like the linebackers were stuck doing the dirty work, right? You know, if someone's going to have to catch someone from behind and hold them to a seven-yard gain on second and ten, it's the linebackers. Sometimes they're just going to be in positions where they have to make that do-or-die play. They're kind of out on an island, and it's not supposed to look pretty. I'm kind of starting to feel the same way about this Dolphins defense, where the linebackers might look a little worse than they are. I saw David Long Jr. chasing guys around Baker the same way. It just kind of feels like the way the field's balanced. Those are just going to be situations the Dolphins find themselves in sometimes. I wouldn't necessarily say like it was Long playing bad or Baker playing bad as much as it's it's just kind of the results you take in this type of defense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, we're going to look at this linebacking core and continue to think, you know, they need some help there, at least a little bit. I was going to take a moment of silence there for Aubrey Miller. He was cut today. Um, you know how important he was to me as one of those undrafted acorns. So hopefully he sticks on um, the practice squad. But, Jake, you were mentioning a defensive line. I mentioned Bronson got cut. Did you say Jalen Twyman got cut? Did you mention his name also yeah. getting cut? And then uh, Jamal Woods, the guy they brought in then also as defensive lineman. I think they just brought him in. On like Friday, played just this game, and they did they send him to a two-year contract too? I don't know. I just see Jamal Woods have been cut, so hopefully, hopefully it wasn't a two-year deal. E- either way, that defensive line is going to need some help, and I think at some point the linebacking unit will. But when you look at it, Jerome Baker next to David Long Jr., those guys are pretty darn good pieces. Andrew Van Ginkle, what he can do there. Duke Riley, great special teams guy, and then I'm just praying Channing Tindall does something. So, um, you know, every year I sit here and say that that's the unit they need to improve on on the, on the defensive side of the ball. I'm probably still going to say that, but it's not as bad as you know we might make it out to be. You mentioned it though, man. I got I love to hear your thoughts, Malik Reed. That's probably I go back a few years ago. I remember when someone shot their shot and said Jordan Phillips was going to be cut in the preseason. He eventually was. And, and this, I kind that of was had Sutton, that. Or was that you? That was Sutton. No, that was, was Sutton. That okay. that was Sutton who, who nailed that on the pre, uh, preseason pod. But this one, I kind of felt the same way. We never heard any good press about Malik Reed. Um, I think he actually had like $750,000 guaranteed, which actually makes this really surprising. 
You know, if you go back and you listen to our shows where we uh, broke down the roster, you got to really look at that guaranteed money. It tells you a lot about guys that are going to stick. But Malik Reed, high guaranteed money. It didn't matter. Josh, how surprising is it for you? You know, you consider this is one of the guys the Dolphins were at early in uh, free agency. And on top of that, he has experience playing with Vic Fangio. Yeah, well, I'm really bummed that we can't keep talking about that, right? And how well him and Bradley Chubb did as a tandem. I'm, I'm really bummed that we can't do that. There it goes. I think it was, what, 750000 that he was guaranteed? And that mm-hmm. goes back to the Eric Salbert thing where he's owed 850000 if he's cut. So um, it was a little bit surprising when you thought you needed a veteran, you know, presence on that defensive line. I guess that speaks volumes about some of the other guys on this roster and, you know, maybe the impact that they've shown throughout camp and how, you know, what Vic Fangio sees in them. But anybody knows Malik Reed, it's Fangio, so – Maybe he comes back, right? That's also a possibility. I don't remember if his Merrick mentioned that or um, I don't know. DMs always have different messages from different Merrick people. Mentioned it, yeah, maybe yeah. they'll try to do something to make the money cheaper. I don't know. So I, maybe bunch of, bunch of bunch of cap shit that we don't understand. At least I don't understand. I don't understand any of that. But yeah, maybe they'll bring it back and it'll be a little cheaper or something like that. Oh, yeah. Smile and nod. That's all I'm going to do here is smile and nod. Josh, it seems like there are a few plays every game where it just kind of involves in it or kind of falls apart in slow motion. And there was a play with Cam Smith that it kind of seemed like everything just kind of fell apart for a minute. Yeah, dude, he, the double move. I mean, he basically got a soul taken out. Like it left his body and he just, he bit so hard on that double move. He gave up a big play, but I'd rather, what was it? Baptized by fire. What was it? Killed by fire or something like that. I tried to say, yeah, either way, it was nice that it happened in preseason get that out of your system now because those things can't be happening in the game. But uh, the quarterback knew what he was doing there, and he bit so hard in that camp Smith did. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, you're a young kid, right? The stove, your parents tell you don't touch the stove. The stove's hot, and you're wondering, what the hell does hot mean? I got to figure I'm going to touch that stove. That to that, And camp Smith definitely touched that stove. The Dolphins cornerback room, Josh, gave up one touchdown against the Jags. It was that one. It was one of those things, though, where – it was a quick and painless depth where it, you're like, okay, you see the mistake, fix it. It's over type of thing. It's not like something where he had a shot and he missed it. And then he had a penalty and then he still got mossed over or something like that. I'm not too concerned about it. Like you said, uh, baptized by fire. I think he's on his first step there. Yeah. And another guy that needs to get baptized by fire is no Igbenogany, right? I mean, every podcast we sit here and we, I, I don't know, it kind of seems like we teeter. We sit here and we talk about how bad Iggy is. And then the next week we're talking about how he could be starting opposite of Xavier and Howard when the season starts. Right. I mean, so um, he looked pretty bad in this one, gave up some plays. That was a hell of a catch by Calvin really on the sideline that I didn't Ooh, even yeah. think, you know, they challenged him. Like there's no way he got both feet in there. I'm, I'm so glad I drafted him in a fantasy league that, earlier that day but um yeah igbenogany man i i don't know i was hoping he'd pull it all together we we hope for it every year right i mean i'd be so happy if people dug up old tweets where we said igbenogany stinks or you know made a joke about it because that just means that we have another really good cornerback but i I just don't know if he's going to be able to put it all together i do think he's still in the roster though right he'll be on the 53 man roster i don't think we have to worry about any crazy cut with no igbenogany but i I don't know i don't have this contract pulled up right now yeah, no, he's making too much guaranteed money. I think most of his contract's guaranteed. I want to say about three mil. So, yeah, he'll be on the roster. Watching he plays like that gif uh, of the woman trying kombucha, and she doesn't know if she likes it or not, and she just kind of goes back and forth like, no, I, I think we're starting to get to the point where Iggy's had all these shots, and I think last year against Pittsburgh, that was like the start of like, if you're going to do it, man, it starts now. And 
we were waiting for that next step to step onto a new stone, and it just never happened. Um, he was targeted a team-high five times against the Jags. He allowed three receptions. And it's so weird, Josh, because with Igbenogany, it feels like he's always involved. He's always near the play, but he just has like a cameo role. He's the king of cameos. He just can't get that starring or lead role. Yeah, and with the cornerback unit, you know, all together, I mean, I think in previous pods, we felt pretty good about the depth. But as we're starting to see, you know, with the Jalen Ramsey injury, we still don't have Nick Needham back. Um, You know, True Williams is transitioning to safety or whatever it is there. I mean, I'm starting to feel a little bit worried about this secondary, Jake, and I'm, I'm just hoping it can all come together under Vic Fangio and um, we can see this team take off the way we all hope they do. Can you give me your your top five active Dolphins cornerbacks right now, like like list them as starters. So we'll, so I'll give you I'll 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 make it easy. Xavier Howard, number one. Yeah, Xavier Howard, Cater Kohu, um, and Cam Smith's guy being there. Is he your number three? Number three? He he can't be my number three. That's where I don't know. Right there is where I'd be a little iffy, right? I mean, well, who's your number so, three then? Eli Benogany. <laughs> it's Eli not Apple Noah. Gotta be right. You yeah. think? Who's that? Eli Apple. Oh, yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting about Eli Apple. So, yeah, so Eli Apple will be number three for sure. Then what, Cam Smith probably? Maybe Cam Nick Needham if he's healthy, you hope? But uh, so your starters, though, on the boundary, probably Apple, Howard, and then and Ko- or, um, Kohu inside? Yeah, that's the way I do it. At least, you know, again, if they're putting that much concern or they're they liked if they liked what Cater Kohu did at nickel, you know, throughout the preseason, why move him when Eli Apple can play on the outside? And it's kind of proven to be a solid cornerback, too. So, yeah, man, I guess I'm not as queasy now. I don't know why Eli Apple kind of left my mind. He's definitely that QB, QB3. And then finally, Josh, we have safeties. Who do you think it's going to be against Javon Holland? When you look at last week, or Saturday, I should say, Rowan McKinley played 39 snaps at safety, and then you had Deshaun Elliott right behind him at 38. How do you see things shaking out there? Yeah, I think, um, I forget who it was. Was it Omar Kelly that was on the pod that was talking about how those safeties kind of have to be interchangeable? And I kind of feel like Javon Holland and Sean Elliott are probably closer to being interchangeable than, you know, what him and Verone McKinley can do. I feel like Verone McKinley is more of a, you know, strong safety, so to speak. So I guess I'll say Deshaun Elliott would be that guy next to him. I'd love to have Brandon Jones back there. But, you know, by all accounts, it sounds like even he's a little bit backed up, right? I mean, we don't know when he's going to get back out there. Believe he was out what for preseason? He was out for the preseason game at least, and then the joint practices. So hopefully everything's good there. So I'd say Deshaun Elliott and um, Deshaun Elliott and Javon Holland. Those would be my two. We do have to mention Elijah Campbell too. I mean, I felt like it was just um, such bad luck after Omar Kelly was on here talking about how meaningful he was to the special teams. Then he got carted off or injured in that week three game. So Elijah Campbell's another name that continues to come up as a guy that could be you know battling for that safety position. Oh, I'm sorry, I was muted. Did, did we get an update on Campbell on where he stands and how long that it, he'll be out with that injury? That's a good question. I can't remember. I do think that I thought McDaniel said it would be it was a little bit more severe, but I could be completely wrong. Safety could be another position, man, where you really wonder, do they have enough there? I mean, a couple guys still on the roster that we didn't even mention at cornerback, Justin Bethel, Keon Cross, and you wonder if one of those guys are going to try to stick. But, man, safety I'm starting to get really concerned about because I just feel like neither Vron McKinley or Deshaun Elliott is really what you want next to Javon Holland. I, I don't think it even really fit that that role as well as you'd want. And then on top of that, man, I, I do think Vic Vangio is someone who likes to leverage three safeties. So all of a sudden you're you're another step behind. Yeah, I mean that's why I'm. You got to sit here and hope, right? Nick Needham gets healthy. I mean he's not a safety, but Nick Needham and Brandon Jones. I mean Brandon Jones comes back, then you feel a little bit better about him. Deshaun Elliott 
and Javon Holland. I pulled it up. Cameron Wolf reported yesterday. Uh, Mike McDaniel said safety Elijah Campbell suffered a substantial injury that will cost him time into the season, a chance to return in 2023. So bad, Ugh. bad news, man. Absolute heartbreaker after we came on here and talked about it. And um, I don't know about you, man. Have you been refreshing Twitter? Do you see any new news on any Jonathan Taylor stuff or any new cuts? I am not seeing anything yet. But, man, as I digest the safety information, it, it's just – would you say that, like, it is safety thinner than, than linebacker? Would safety be thinner than inside linebacker? I mean, I guess it all depends on how they feel about Veron McKinley and, you know, Brandon Jones injury. How do you and, feel about – I mean, for, with, with I, linebacker, we got two starters. Safety, I don't even know if we got two starters. I mean, I was sitting there doing Willy Wonka heel clicks, you know, posting videos from Instagram when Brandon Jones was doing on-field drills. I thought he was close, so – yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I, I do think you might be right, man. Linebacker and safety, they could definitely be a problem as the season progresses. Vic Fangio's going to work his magic. It's Steve Ross going to have to open up that checkbook. The craziest thing, Josh, about this Dolphins team just having to do this throughout the offseason, safety and linebacker might be two of Miami's weakest positions, and they're, the, they're two of the weakest positions because the team lost a cornerback. Can you believe that? Like, Jalen Ramsey was going to be a pseudo-linebacker, He's going to be a pseudo safety and the team's top cornerback. I, I think we know how good Jalen Ramsey is, but I don't think we really appreciated how much his talent just kind of funneled into the, the, the way this team was built because man, he uh, heats up a lot of problems right now. Yeah. I mean, and again, I kind of egg on my face. I kind of felt like the depth was pretty good and the secondary was still pretty good. And I mean, I guess it is, it is still good, but another guy goes down. I mean, then we're sitting here pooping bricks and, we, we don't want to be pooping bricks. Not when this past happy league, man. We we don't want to be pooping bricks. So Jalen Ramsey, heal up, man. I mean, it almost sounds like based on the report about Elijah Campbell that Jalen Ramsey's going to be back before Elijah Campbell. God, man. It, so let, let's let's wrap up the secondary here. Can I get like a vibe check? Brandon Jones, Nick Needham. Who do you think's going to be back out of that group? I'm kind of leading uh, Jones, but at the same time, Needham's the one I see. You know, during the games. This means so much, I know, but he's the one you see on the sidelines, at least wearing his jersey. He looks involved, and he, he's tweeting every day. So I think that means he's back. Yeah, he was even posting, um, you know, memes of him coming back, forty Glock coming back. So I guess I would lean towards Nick Dino based on that. But I mean, neither of us know the true reports on these injuries other than Mike McDaniel, and he's so bad at just coming right out and telling you how things are going. Right? I mean, he beats around the bush. So I don't know, man. Hopefully it's both of them. Hopefully they're both back out there before week one because Brandon Jones in that secondary, Nick Needham in that secondary, we'd both feel a lot better about that unit if we were heading into the regular season with both those guys healthy. I don't want to put you in the spot here, but how, how many preseasons have we done together at this point? Oh, that, that four? I don't know, three, three, four. Somewhere in there. A lot. I mean, if you're talking about back to our cover 32 days or whatever, it's been like a decade. I just been podcasted, but uh, yeah, three, four, something like that. But yeah, man, definitely more than a decade. Um, had you, let me ask you this: Let's just say we just stepped into the bar. You're about halfway through your first drink, and I simply say, after the preseason, how do you feel about the 2023 Miami Dolphins? I'd say the same as I always do, Jake. I feel like they're gonna, I feel like they're gonna exceed expectations until we get to the regular season, and I just feel like they're gonna rip my heart out and just rip it right out of my chest. So. Still feel like 10 or 11 wins. I, I still got to stay stick with that, but I'm definitely feeling queasier as the season progresses. What about you? It seems like the closer we get to the regular season, I've gotten more queasy, and it feels like people, like the holes on the team are feeling a lot more obvious. Like it seems like a couple months ago, we were talking about this roster top to bottom being one of the best in the league. 
And all of a sudden, we're kind of hitting ourselves with the well, actually, well, actually. And I think it's just kind of important to keep in mind, while they probably weren't as good as a roster as we were saying two months ago, the holes, the, the cap issues aren't nearly as bad as we are saying they are right now. And, and I think that's something kind of important to keep in mind. Like, you look at the Buffalo Bills, right? There was a period of the offseason where they all hated each other, trouble in paradise. But, you know, through the preseason, it's been quiet and they're headed in the right direction. And it's just so important to keep in mind, man, that things are going to change so much and so quickly that whatever we feel now, whatever we think is going to happen in the future, man, we have no idea. No, we don't, man. I'm just glad I'm able to be here with the ride with you because uh, it's going to be a crazy, wild season. And we're sitting here talking about the cap situation, and we're just waiting for a, a Jonathan Taylor trade to go down and then an extension that I don't know how the hell they're going to afford. That is all the time we have. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another Dolphins podcast. We will be back later this week. Jonathan Taylor deal, other moves on the roster. We've reached it, guys. It is time for the regular season. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. And more importantly, fins up. Fins up. <laughs>